Hello again and welcome to another episode of College Football Down Under. My name's Aaron Kemp and as always I am joined by Will Mjord and I fucking hate college football. Will, how are you? Yeah, it's time for me to talk you back from that ledge, isn't it? I have been where you are, my friend. It's not a fun spot to be. But uh, seven days ago, seven yeah, days ago, precisely. you were there and I was coming off of a, uh, a shutout road victory by the Canes and... It comes at you fast. We have got a fair bit to get to, mainly in the news, kind of. There was a few big games, but a lot of cancellations. A lot of teams are just like, fucking, we're done. Um, so, you know, a lot of games not getting played. There's still some COVID stuff, but it's mainly, you know, opt-outs and things of that nature as well. Uh, but let's get to all this week's action in our 360. Remember, if you didn't watch anything, these are the things you need to know. These are the important headlines, so let's get to it. Thanks to 360. Florida fall to LSU. What does this mean for the football playoff picture, Will? Well, not heaps, to be honest. Uh, I think at the end of the day, Florida needed to win the SEC for a chance to get in, and I, I, I didn't see that happening. Now it gets really interesting if they do go and beat Alabama and the margin of victory and other results coming into it there, but... On the back of that, you can't see that possibly happening. So I honestly don't think this has all that much impact on things. It just essentially rules Florida out of the race. The Tar Heels set all kinds of records as they thump Miami and put themselves in contention for the Orange Bowl. A bit of an up and down year for the Heels, but they finished really strong in that one. Yeah, this is the one that's obviously got you hurt and... Oof, what a what a offensive performance for them on the ground. Uh, on the other side of the ball, certainly disappointing defensively from Miami to give up just those huge chunks of ground on the ground. It's not going to end well for anyone ever. So you'd be really disappointed with that. UNC, as you said, bit up and down, but looking like a really dangerous team and should get themselves into that Orange Bowl bid. USC and... Washington will play off in the Pac-12 championship game. Whilst USC did come from behind to beat UCLA in a fantastic game, their position in that game was already in the championship game was already determined as Colorado falls to Utah. And there we go. We have the Pac-12 sorted. You only need to win three games apparently um, if you're Washington and you make it into the championship game. Yeah, that's a bit crazy. And I mean, USC's ability to get there with the way that they've played this year and the matchups they've been. I, I was at a bar on Friday night with four other people. Three of them all had twins. Like, as their kids were twins. The, the odds of that are still greater than USC coming out unscathed the, the way that they have. <laughs> like, it's, it's incredible. Sarah Fuller gets on the scoreboard and she sets a new mark. Yeah, bangs through a uh, extra point and a couple. Is- yeah, okay. Recognised as the first female to score points in our Power 5 program. So, good for her. They did kick a field goal, though, which wasn't her. So, uh, they've clearly got a field goal kicker on deck, and she's just responsible for jabbing through extra points. Is that she's where we're the, at? She's the short-range kicker, by the sound of things. Okay. Perfectly. We've almost nailed that. Will, well done. That never happens. If, unless there's anything else you want to add to this week's action. No, let's not ruin it there. That's good. All right. We do have a whole heap of news to get to as well. This is kind of more the stuff that fits outside of the realm of playing. Uh, and this could involve coaches, teams, cancellations, other news. But let's get into it. Let's start with those coaches, Will. I know you're super into that, so talk us through some of the coaching moves that have occurred on the back of some results or yeah, we're, not we're certainly, occurred, as the we're case We're starting to see some movement now. So Kevin Sumlin, on the back of their just ass-whooping that was handed out to Arizona, has been given his marching orders. No surprise there. He's out of Arizona. And then that becomes an interesting hire. That's one that I'll be keeping an eye on. Uh, for who could potentially fill into that shoes. Early reports have been around uh, San Jose's head man there. I think he served as a grad assistant in Arizona at one point. Anytime that you've got history with the program and 
have had a successful year. Your name's going to get thrown in the ring. So that's a good one. Uh, Tom Herman has been backed in at Texas. So they've come out and kind of thrown their support for him. There was obviously a massive buyout required to see him leave. There was a lot of talk that they were going after Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer's ruled himself out, and now they've gone, well, we're not going to test the market. We're going to keep going with Herman and, and hopefully get a, another year. So he'll get a move into his fifth, and, a, and at that point, you're really starting to expect to be winning the Big 12. That's, that's what they want and challenging for national championships. Uh, the other big name to land in a spot is Butch Jones, so former Tennessee head coach. Uh, has been doing his Nick Saban rehab of image and coaching reputation uh, as an assistant there for the last three years and has now landed the gig at Arkansas State. So that's, a, that's an interesting one. His time at Tennessee was kind of mixed. The results weren't all that bad, but there was a lot of Early negativity. At least, but yeah, yeah, and a lot of negativity to come out of how he kind of developed players and ran that program. So I'm sure he's learned a lot, and that's... Um, Probably a good hire for Arkansas State to see how they go. Yeah, I think they're coming back to the Tom Herman one as we completely nuke this news segment. Uh, the Tom Herman one's interesting because if you are getting rid of someone like Tom Herman who has been consistently above average, I suppose, for Texas, I know Texas want to be competing for national championships, but you're potentially playing with fire there. And I think you look at a situation with Jimbo Fisher at Florida State, it's a bit of a be careful what you wish for because unless you go and get someone like an Urban Meyer who is like a proven winner at that level, you are running the gauntlet of things going worse, which is definitely possible there at Texas. Yeah, absolutely. We, we saw it there. I mean, even Charlie Strong beforehand was kind of one of those when Mac, they wanted Mac Brown out because it started to slide and they, they still haven't found their footing since. Lots of teams straight opting out of games and cancelling. Georgia Tech have called it for the year. They're done. BC have declined a bowl offer, so they won't be playing. I think bowl season is going to be limited this year, which actually might be a good thing in terms of viewing. Uh, there are some things that are, are negative in that situation as well. I think teams that are mid-major teams are going to not get an opportunity to play in bowl games, which would be disappointing for them, particularly if it's not something that they do very often. Uh, but in terms of the top-end games, there's going to be more of those and less of the, you know, Nick's underwear and toothbrush bowl. Like, <laughs> which yeah. is great watching every year. <laughs> yeah. Um, championship games are determined now, though. So for next week, we've got all our conference championship games. You've got Alabama and Florida in the SEC. We did know that one already. Washington and USC confirmed today. Oklahoma and Iowa State in the Big 12. We knew that one. Notre Dame, Clemson, ACC. We knew that one as well. And Ohio State and Northwestern in the Big 10. Which one of those are you most looking forward to? Well, there's a few interesting storylines. So I think the SEC is, like Alabama are obviously consensus number one at the moment. Things get really interesting if Florida can match it with them, potentially beat them, and, and the ramifications of that are huge. The ACC rematch is going to be another classic game. So we saw Notre Dame win that first time round. Trevor Lawrence is on deck, so it's a whole new ball game, and, and these are two really exciting teams. So that's going to be a, a ripping matchup. The Big Ten is one, like Ohio State's played five games and, you know, they need to win and they need to win well as well. They're not a guaranteed lock at a six, like, win. There's going to be question marks from the Texas A&M side and, and that that are saying, you know, we, we deserve a shot. We've played a full schedule. So that'll be interesting. But on the back of a comprehensive victory, I think that kind of secures it for them. The Big 12 they're not getting in it, it, so on the national scale it doesn't matter it's the first time Iowa State have, have made the championship game so it's good for them to have an opportunity and, and maybe uh, get one there and then like the Pac-12 just seems weird there's what eight games played between them on the year and we're playing for a championship I'm, yeah. I'm less interested in that let's get USC and Ohio State going head to head for a, a spot in the four that that to me would be of much more interest Coastal Carolina and Louisiana are in the Sun Belt. Tulsa and Cincinnati, which was a game that was cancelled last week, are in the American. Boise State and San Jose State for their first crack at it. The Spartans in the Mountain West. So up, Sparty. Um, Ball State and Buffalo in the MAC. And Marshall will take on UAB in Conference USA. Any thoughts on any of those? Oh, the only one that I will point out is Boise State. Like, I feel like I haven't 
looked at a lot of Bronco football this year, and the only well, they time lost that, early, didn't they? They lost. We early saw to that BYU. loss to BYU where they just got stomped out, and then I think it was kind of oh, they're a trash team. They're, they're not every year. They're, they're really good, and they're around the mark again. So that's interesting to see. The last little tidbit is a bit of controversy surrounding LSU at the moment. I probably should have opened with this, but they've self-imposed a bowl ban. There's a lot of players decommitting. They had a five-star freshman, Eric Gilbert, the tight end commit, who is looking to transfer out. They've had all these players leave and opt out. And there's a little bit of nasty noise around Ed Orgeron and, and some things that are coming down the line now none of this is all speculation at this point it is rumors outside of the bowl ban um, but if you're self-imposing a bowl ban that appears to be a strategic move to get out in front of something what that something is we're not entirely sure what uh, lsu can feel extremely confident about is that they are in the sec so if i was old miss or missouri uh, missouri or you know mississippi state be prepared that you might be copying some of the punishment for lsu as well Yes, yeah, so that was is, a cheap shot by me. That was uh, a cheap shot by me. I apologise, but it, it was a bit. But it's a strange one. Them like self-imposing a bowl ban. Like I'm trying to think of analogies. It's like me with my punting account and putting. You, you should know, self-impose a ban on your. Well, you punting can put account. you can put those bans on like a temporary restriction, but it's like doing it on a weekend where there's no race meet. Like, I wasn't going <laughs> to fucking bet anyway. It's like, yeah. it just give myself a big pat on the back saying, hey, well done. You really kind of helped yourself there. Do they deserve a bowl game? I mean, things are a little bit different with the big victory this weekend, absolutely. But apart from that, this year's been a train wreck. I think it's more of a punishment to put them on the national stage and make, make them get beat up by a group of five team. I mean, yeah, maybe. But I also think that there is, some, on a more serious note, there is something coming what we will find from that from the NCAA uh, will be interesting. Uh, but again, LSU is a big power money maker. Um, Come on, mates. We don't talk anything. smoke and mirrors on this show. We don't want to hear. The, have you got anything for us? Or I, I don't. I don't have anything confirmed at the moment. But as soon as I've got something, you will know. Uh, and it may not happen until after the season. This possibly is the end of the season. Uh, the LSU insiders, particularly board of trustees and things like that, if they're going to make a move around Ed Orgeron, we will know within the next kind of little bit. But leading into bowl games, if they play one, they're probably not even getting invited to one. So we'll wait and see. Watch this space. It is only just rumors at the moment. And again, like I said... Um, they've got the veil of the LS, uh, of the SEC around them, so this may just disappear magically into the ether. The only other news, Tuba Hubbard uh, opts out for season 2020. All right, let's get into some game recaps. Oh, fucking let's rip this Band-Aid off, shall we? We're going to start with our best effort of the weekend. UNC 62, Miami 26 fucking go will yeah let's let's get away from best effort because it feels like it's a participation trophy this is the most impressive performance oh, sorry sorry I, I just want to clarify that i don't want any of these you know hand out well, miami probably would have got a participation <laughs> ribbon on the back of this. i don't even think they would have in this one uh, it was absolutely brutal for you so I'll, I'll try and you know pull a few punches here and, and not not come after you but Michael Carter and Javante Williams uh, have gone on and made entered the history books uh, for 544 rushing yards between them, which is the most by a pair of players in a matchup. A pair of running backs. Oh, yes. sorry. Uh, and that was nuts. On, on top of that, they also had Diami Brown, who caught 167 yards. So it's not as if they're running the triple option and only running every play. They're getting it done in all facets of the game in this one. And it was... Just a spectacular offensive performance from them. They were dominant in all facets. They were averaging over 10 yards a carry, the, the running backs here. And when you're scoring a first down every time you're touching the rock and you're doing it over 20 times each, it's just insane. It's the sort of stuff you don't see. So 
full credit to North Carolina. I mean, when they've shown that they can put a full game together, they're as good as anyone in the country. Their issue has been that they haven't done that. It's always been in patches, and often it's they've left it to the last quarter to get going, and that's been enough for them to get some victories. And then there's been other times where it hasn't been enough, and, and that's why they've had their losses. But in this one, it was all cylinders, all game, and, uh, and a really impressive performance. Yeah, um, I don't really know what to add to that. Uh, it was the most yards given up by Miami defense in history. Javante Williams sets the uh, North Carolina touchdown season touchdown mark with 22 this year. And he'll probably add to that in a bowl game as well. So he'll look to stretch that out. Uh, there was more records that came out as well. I just, you know, I, I don't exactly know all of them. It was it was an embarrassment defensively. I think Miami is, you know, were forced into a situation offensively. They got a little bit stuck. They weren't perfect by any means. A couple of unlucky plays uh, on the offensive side. But, you know, if the defense rocks up, 26 points early in the game probably has them. Like if you said Miami's going to have 26 points, you know, into the fourth quarter, you're probably thinking, well, I was, I would probably think before the game, they're probably in the game. It's probably a tight one, a little bit low scoring maybe, but they're probably in the game. Uh, not the case at all. It was, it was the defensive side. Like Miami did not adjust at all. And this is something that Manny Diaz has historically been pretty good at is at halftime getting those adjustments right. And there was some alignment issues. There was, uh, you know, UNC were just running count play after counterplay linebackers flowing the wrong way i don't know what they're queuing in on i don't know what they're reading but it was some of the worst linebacker i've ever seen and then and you've got dn shooting inside running backs just either beat them to the edge or go up underneath uh poor tackling on the back end guys avoiding contact it was just it was a mess but this is kind of the Manny Diaz experience after two years. There was some bits and pieces that were actually okay last year, but then you finished the season losing to FIU, Louisiana Tech. They lost to Duke last year, who were no good. And this is this is kind of part of the deal. Like we, the Canes continue to finish poorly and get blown out against good offenses. Uh, any any offense with a pulse, whether it's Clemson this year, UNC the defense just continues to get creamed, which suggests and there was some. Uh, again, a lot of conversation around this, but Manny Diaz's defense doesn't have um, a coaching tree that follows this aggressive style of play. There's no like other defensive coordinators running this same system. There's no other other people and coaches that have come from this particular tree that are having success at other schools. So he's pretty much doing it himself. Is that a reason to throw it out? Absolutely not. But it's not successful when push comes to shove against good offensive players. The gap soundness completely disintegrates by design. And all of a sudden, they're just getting gashed all over the place and they didn't adjust. Uh, heads will, should roll on this, I think. Um, you, you don't give up 550 yards without someone getting fired, I think. So I think Blake Baker may be in trouble as a defensive coordinator, but we'll see how that one plays out. Um, I, I don't know. I'm thinking, you know, big schools do not allow that many yards. In fact, a fun story about this. Manny Diaz got fired by Mac Brown at Texas for giving up 550 yards to Taysom Hill uh, and the BYU running game back in the day. So will Manny Diaz now, after getting his ass handed to him by that very same coach that fired him, will he do the same thing to his defensive coordinator? I don't know, but it's an interesting little byline there. Hmm. Indeed. All right, I've spent way too long on that. So let's move on to our chaos games. So we're going to start with LSU and Florida. This is for the lead in the final 30 seconds. Career-long 53. Snap and hold are good. Did he get all of that? It's right down the middle, and it is good from 57 yards. LSU takes the lead with 23 seconds to go. Yeah, Cade York hits a 57-yarder. Woo-wee. He's missed some in the past as well, and from far closer than 57, but uh, that put LSU up 37 to 34. The There was still 23 seconds left. Somehow, 
Florida get a shot with, at a field goal from 51 yards at the gun, but Evan McPherson slides it left in the fog, and LSU get an improbable victory on the road against the number six team in the country, vying for trying to keep their playoff contention alive against a high, number one Heisman favorite. In a season where you lost all your players, there's unrest, there's people opting out, you've got quarterbacks injured, you're running a true freshman in Max Johnson, who I remember when he was like a two-year-old, you know, when Brad Johnson, his dad, won the Bucks Super Bowl. Uh, but he now goes out there and, and gets a win. A fantastic effort by LSU, and that's just the kind of win you need in a really, really horrible season. If you can ruin someone else's life, then you feel like you've achieved something. Absolutely. Misery loves company, and this one was the definition of a chaos game. Like When we came up talking about grouping these things up, we want a chaos game, this is it. This is the headline one, because it was nuts. Like LSU had no spot being in a game with Florida from what we've seen this year. LSU have been a terrible team. They've given up stacks of yards through the air. Florida have just been torching people. Kyle Trask has had a historic season passing for Florida, passing with the most touchdowns for that program ever. He's been phenomenal. And then to have this one come down to the wire, to have a kicker who is incredibly unreliable bang it in from 57, and then somehow in 20 seconds the Florida team get in to 51 yards, and he's four from five, 50 plus, and then he slides it left just. Like we're talking maybe a Yeah, I thought left. it was going. When it-, it was oh. real tight. Yeah. So, I mean, all of that, and then there's obviously uh, a, a massive penalty uh, that was called oh, on the, the last drive for LSU. So they were going down, uh, scores were tied at this point. Uh, Florida had two, actually two minute, stopped yeah. them. Yeah, two uh, minutes to go, third and ten. Yeah, Third and ten, um, and they get complete like a six-yard pass, would have put it at fourth and four. And it, but as part of making the tackle on it, the DB has ripped the boot off of the player and then in his celebration for the big play has just launched the boot down the field like I I get the adrenaline it's a bit of a tough one but you can't fucking do that sure enough flags come everywhere and it's a 15 yarder and that keeps it alive for him that puts him in a position to do that so I feel a bit bad for this kid because he's getting crucified sucked in Marco Wilson (laughs) sucked in it's it's a rough one because it's real like heat of the moment. You're pumped up. You just have something in like it's not a I'm gonna do this out of spite or anything. It, it, he's just excited and he's just done the wrong thing. So the memes are hilarious coming as in well. thick and fast. Uh, there's also <laughs> a pick in this game, like one of Carl Trust's picks. That's- oh taken a deflection and how it kept in bounds. I'm, I'm still not sure it was with how it went. There's a player like lying out of bounds who has to get up and then make get finish the interception. And- <laughs> like There's a lot of that sort of stuff, which is what you want to see. It, it's crazy. Yeah. As we mentioned in the kickoff, I don't think it has a huge impact in the scheme of things because Alabama are clearly the best team in the SEC. But hey, the way 2020 has been going, if we see Florida then come in and trash Alabama, what happens then? We get zero SEC teams. Well, I mean, no, and that's an interesting one because, and we'll we'll get to that in a sec because I I do want to come back to that. But Kyle Trask, 474 yards sounds pretty good, but his worst day of the year, there were two picks. One was the uh, probably pretty unlucky in the red zone with the DB on his knees, reestablished in bounds, makes the makes the pick. The other one was not good. Return to the house, uh, and Florida fought their way back into it and actually had the lead as well. But it just you just kind of felt like something strange was in store and something was going to happen and LSU managed to pull that out. I thought Max Johnson was pretty good, the lefty. Love seeing a left-hand quarterback. Um, and, and the fact that this LSU team is depleted. Now, coming back to the Florida-Alabama situation, Florida now two loss. The playoff has never accepted a two-loss team. So they're effectively done based on history. However, like you said, if they come in and trash Alabama, Alabama's got one loss. Are you, if you're putting Alabama in the playoff, you then have to put Florida in because Florida is theoretically better than them. I mean, I don't, I don't know where you go with that. You, you have to, don't you? 
Yeah, well, absolutely. And then let's say Clemson wins in a tight one. You then go Clemson, Notre Dame coming in, and then everyone else misses out. And and it's like it's Ohio State who get hosed in that situation. But the the easy argument there is you've played five games. Like, what can you expect? Yeah. Whew, crazy, crazy stuff. So hopefully, uh, hopefully we get some more chaos next week. All right. Uh, any other games in that segment? Any other chaos games for you, Will? I think that that one was so chaotic that everything else kind of pales in comparison. All right, let's head to the implication. Because of the implication, Will loves his titles of shit. Uh, USC and UCLA. Lovis taking a shot to the end zone. St. Brown's got it. Touchdown SC. The Trojans have the lead. 16 seconds left. A lot of swearing you're getting. Like, the crowd noise doesn't dull out a lot of the swearing. There wasn't any in that, but there was throughout the game, especially when touchdowns are scored. Big white linemen come down there and just start swearing. It's it's good gear. Anyway, USC 43, UCLA 38. USC do it again, coming from behind, getting completely handled in the first half. But as we just heard, the Amon Ra St. Brown catching a fade in the corner of the end zone to put them up for good. Dorian Thompson-Robinson gave it a final heave into the end zone, but the pass did get broken up. Demetric Felton was really good running the ball and catching the ball for the Bruins. I thought he's probably the most dynamic player on the field. Drake London is fantastic, scored a really big touchdown early to kind of keep them hanging around. But UCLA controlled this early. Um, Chip Kelly looks like he's got his offense going a little bit. And I thought their defense was pretty good at times. Um, Malapai did have some big runs and, and he's a big body. You need, there was a couple of chances on, on a fourth down where they just couldn't quite wrap up. And, you know, forward. Uh, I thought UCLA was probably the better team. They're going to be disappointed with that result. And USC survive again. They just know how to win. Knowing how to win is a thing. I, I don't know how I feel about these intangibles, uh, whether it's aspects of the game like momentum or things like that. But knowing how to win is something that UCLA do have and they managed it here. Sorry, USC have. They've done it all year and, and you've got to think that there's not going to be any situation this year where they're going to be too rattled and don't believe that they can come from behind. Yeah, this is a much improved uh, UCLA outfit and that, you're right, they looked really good across the day and would be super disappointed to drop this one but Keaton Slovis is a baller for USC. He, he's got ice in his veins. He doesn't care. He's a bit of a slinger. Like He had a couple of picks on the day again and he does turn it over a bit but he fucking lets it rip and he goes after it and I'm all about that so for them to go down a couple of points with 52 seconds left and then only need two plays to just take that back and get it done is yeah that was a rough sequence uh for UCLA because they only had I can't remember how much time on the clock now because I did watch this game in its entirety believe it or not um but they after scoring a, a field goal with under a minute to go USC when we thought they were going to take a fair catch maybe or just down it in the end zone they take it out and give a midfield um, then Tyler Vaughns makes a big catch down inside the 10 and then they score the next play so in the big moments USC came up big yeah, absolutely. I, I do just want to call something out here too. I, I had a well well off topic, but you're going to have to uh, humor me here. I had, had a situation at the bar uh, yesterday. I was down mm. nice beach bar in uh, Glenelg here in Adelaide. It was a beautiful day, having a good time. And there was a bloke who had a UCLA cap on, like a brand spanker. It looked fresh. I was like, that's nice. You know, you see this sort of stuff. You see some college apparel getting around and I often yeah. won't engage because... A lot of people don't know. They just think it looks cool, and I'm good with that. But then I saw his partner also had a matching Bruins hat. So I'm like, well, i got to speak to these guys because they're dialed in. This isn't like a casual hat that they've picked up at a store. These are UCLA alum. They're Californians. Exactly right. I want to know what they think about the upcoming matchup with USC. So sure enough, when they head into the bar, I'm like, hey, hey, buddy. Uh, hey, how you guys? Hey, you sound like you're from New York. Hey, hey, buddy. <laughs> how are you guys uh, going to fare up hey, against you? I'm walking US- here. I'm walking here. <laughs> I'm walking here. 
are you guys going to fare up against USC tomorrow? And he just looks at me blankly and he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And I'm like, your hat, mate. And he's like, oh, yeah, don't really follow it. I'm like, uh, don't be doing this to me. Do not be doing it. So, like, it's, I'm just saying it out there. Obviously, everyone listening to the show loves college football, going to know what I'm talking. But, like, I, I think people need to be called out for wearing this apparel and not knowing. Like, if you do get an opportunity, make sure you make people feel uncomfortable about their choice of attire if they can't back it up. So, so this raises a whole set of interesting questions about will policing all clothing then well no like this is my market this is my corner i'm not getting outside my lines but other people will have their corner and their lanes that they will be in absolutely and and when it comes to business so when it comes to business attire or something like that like i know you do that sort of stuff where you have to wear like shirts and shit and ties Mm -hmm. so like if you deem that you know or if someone in your office says that mm, actually nah that that shirt that cut doesn't not not good. If I'm not making good. a faux pas, I want to know about it. You need to, to don't it. offer. I want to know about it. That's, that's <laughs> the, it's like it's like having the fucking shit on your lip. You know, like you got to tell the person, Ooh. otherwise it's just you, fucking weird. You got something in your teeth, mate. Yeah. <laughs> Get it out there. Okay, interesting. All right, the other game that I will touch on very quickly, Coastal Carolina State undefeated 42. They beat Troy 38. It did take a touchdown pass in the last minute to eke out a win in this one from Grayson McCall uh, on a skinny post. That put Coastal Carolina over the top. A lot of noise around them. They've played a pretty... They played a full college football season in terms of games played. Do they deserve a shot? 11 and 0 like that's awesome for any program to ever be able to achieve that it, it's it takes a lot of special things to come together and in this year of all years they've got to be thrilled with that do they deserve a spot absolutely not they're running it close with fucking troy like they beat troy by four points and like, troy not a bad team just fucking let troy. down spot let down it, spot it was but i don't after. i don't that, no, that, uh, maybe <laughs> maybe get them towards a New Year's Six, but even then, like I, I prefer Cincinnati in that spot, and then there's a mm. handful of other teams that I'd like to see get that opportunity. So a handful, name them, please. Uh, the winner of the Big Twelve obviously is going to get in. The loser, I think, is like they're a better team than Coastal Carolina. Whoever yeah, loses okay. that game, so there's two. Uh, uh, <laughs> if I take, I mean, USC are going to get a spot when they win it. Out west is probably tough to find someone else. Uh, Northwestern certainly deserve a shot. Um, like I, I guess it's the the losers of the conference championships that aren't going to the playoffs. I, I would fully expect an opportunity there, uh, as well as Texas A and M. Okay, well, you've handled that question. Okay, all right. Studied the playbook. Uh, Alabama keep crushing souls. They thump Arkansas fifty-two to three. I said in the preview, can they? Can Arkansas show improvement and keep it, you know, 28 points? They could not do that. Northwestern, 28, beat, beat Illinois, 10. They run a whole heap in soggy, stodgy, wet conditions, um, and they head to the Big Ten Championship game next week. So those two games went as planned. What are your thoughts if you do have any massive, yeah. massive... Look- Takeaways from those two games. Alabama's really good, uh, and I don't think we need to touch on that one too much. But this Northwestern team, I think, is a a fascinating matchup for Ohio State now because this is certainly not going to be an easy game, and this is a team that can like handle dour affairs. That's what they're built for. That's what they're going to want to get themselves into. So you want snowy, windy, blustery conditions. Exactly right. If you get something like that, Northwestern are going to be rock hard because they are very difficult to score against. And you could potentially see like a 21-17 game where they come out on top. So that for me is is a massive one. They're able to continue to do it. That firepower offensively is certainly a concern. I mean, Peyton Ramsey completed... I like how you said firepower. Like when you think of firepower, you think of big, heavy weapons. Correct. They're kind of rolling cap guns at the moment. Exactly right. It's a lack of. uh, And and (laughs) it was a, a bit of an double negative going into it but uh like he's completed seven balls for 82 yards in this one uh and that's 
it's just going to be tough to try and compete with a team that's scoring. So they really need their defense to do it. Uh, they, they were obviously good in this one against Illinois. Um, Illinois still got a ways to go. I think they're an improving squad, but they've got showed out by a, a team, a Northwestern team that's deservedly earned their shot in the uh, the Big Ten Championship. I've been pretty big on them all year, and I'm, I'm thrilled to see them kind of follow through. You have. All right, let's continue to move as we head into the rest of the game. So in the Pac-12, Arizona State 70, Arizona 7. As we mentioned earlier, this resulted in Kevin Sumlin getting fired. Arizona State took the opening kickoff 100 yards for a touchdown and then scored again with under a minute off the game clock. So they're up 14-0. From there, the route was on. Uh, the Sun Devils barely threw the ball. Jaden Daniels didn't have a spectacular game by any means, but they caused seven turnovers. Gary Brightwell had 17 carries for 49 yards and three fumbles for Arizona. Um, the fact that they scored anything is actually a miracle. Yeah, Yelch. That's like certainly that Friday Night Lights scene where the old man comes out of the stands and is like taping the ball to his hands, that sort of deal. <laughs> I don't think that's justified, but in this situation, I think most people would kind of turn a bit of a blind eye and be cool with it. Oh, wow, that is brutal. Uh, Utah come from behind against Colorado, 38-21. to I actually think this Utah team is probably okay. They lost the first one this year, but if they were to run a full slate again, if the Pac-12 were to get a full 10-11 games or whatever then I think Utah probably finishes up back in the Pac-12 championship game. I think they're a, t they're a tough, tough team. Um, somewhat USC would lose eventually. Uh, but yeah, I think they're potentially pretty good. Hypothetical for you, Utah versus Coastal Carolina neutral field. Go. Interesting. I'll take the Utah... Uh, is it wet and snowy or is it... Nice dry? day. I think possibly Indoor. Ooh, possibly Coastal Carolina. Um, only because... No, I mean, that Utah defense is pretty good. Colorado's offense has been sound uh, with Jarrett Brassard going really, really well. Um, and, they, and they kept Colorado to just 21 points. It was in the snow. And Utah do what Utah do. They play solid defense and eventually they got that offense going. That's, yeah, I... I just think that Coastal Carolina presents something that the big that the Pac-12 doesn't have, and that Utah probably hasn't seen for a while in those, that strange triple optiony stuff. But you know, I would trust Kyle Whittingham to get the Utes prepped. So now that I've talked it out, I would actually take Utah probably. Okay, thank you. But I would expect a good game. Stanford also come from behind to beat Oregon State 27 to 24. Oregon State just can't get over the hump, but first step to being good, lose close. So they're kind of doing that a little bit, but Stanford needed 11 points in the last quarter to get over the top of the Beavs. I can't wait to read good. that book of yours, uh, Steps to Being Good. I'm not sure how many steps there are. I'm, I'm assuming there are There's few not many. Them. Well, okay. don't, tip number one, don't let a team run for 550 yards on you. Okay. Uh, that's probably a good one. Lose big, lose close, Win close, win big. They're the general steps that you go through. Okay. Yeah. And don't lose to someone who's fucking terrible. In the Big Ten, Minnesota retained Paul Bunyan's axe with a win over Nebraska 24-17. to Don't be inconsistent would be another one on there. That one's hard to do. Um, the Gophers have been a team where your offense can get right. You play against the Gophers and your offense magically is a little bit cured. That isn't the same for Nebraska this year. And... Unfortunately, the Huskers worked up a little bit of positive energy in the last couple of weeks with a, with some wins, but it's kind of all just disappeared and gone by the wayside now as Minnesota uh, hold them to 17 points, which is just not enough. Yeah, they might as well have had the season off, I think, Nebraska. Actually, both of these teams mm. probably would have benefited from the Big Ten staying it hasn't been pretty for either outfit as you mentioned inconsistency the the performance across the board from both of them has just been up and down and ugly so they'd be looking forward to the off season and building back into next year speaking of ugly wisconsin managed only seven points against iowa who put up four touchdowns 
Graham Mertz is not going well. They thought he was this guru, 20 of 21, five touchdowns, whatever he was against um, Illinois to start the season. Since that game, Whiskey have only managed 20 points total. Uh, so they are not going well at all. I would do what they do. Cruise in blustery, windy, kinnick and get things done. Yeah, I mean, their defense was elite in this one. They kept uh, the Badgers to just three and a bit yards per play uh, and obviously the seven points. So that's kind of uh, what they do. They play that solid defense in the Big Ten there and then run the ball well. Tyler Goodson was uh, had another good day. He's, he's turning in quite a good season here. So I are one of the hotter teams in the country at the moment. They're another team that like I, I wouldn't want to be coming up against if, if you're a challenger at the moment. They're probably unlucky to have dropped those two early uh, when you know they, they weren't in a rhythm. They, they obviously didn't get the training that they wanted because this is a team that mm. has, is t- proving to be quite good. Yeah, for sure. Penn State, maybe as well. They just needed five weeks to sort of get <laughs> themselves going, but they beat up on Michigan State 39-24. Have, they re- have the Nittany Lions remembered how to play football? Are they actually okay, or is Michigan State just that bad? Yeah, Michigan State have their ons and offs, and this was an off, so I'm not reading too much into this one. I mean, I'm surprised they scored 24 points, to be honest. Rutgers get over Maryland in overtime, 27-24. to Into the SEC, JT Daniels has given Georgia some offense and some life as they go and absolutely handle Missouri, 49-14. to yeah, JT Daniels has really turned things around since he's been given the reins. Uh, he's putting a bit more balance in this lineup so that they need to respect the pass a little bit more. And it's also then benefiting in the run game. So Zamir White had probably his best game for Georgia this year uh, in this one, running for 126 yards. And he is... Uh, was really hyped up this year and probably hasn't lived up to that billing. But now with JT Daniels controlling it there, uh, and who's the Pickens, the wide yeah, receiver George Pickens. There? I was expecting him to be the kind of breakout star nationally almost uh, in in the SEC. Obviously, that is a little bit quarterback dependent, and they were in an, in a hole with their plethora of quarterbacks used, but none of which has the talent to match either Jamie Newman or JT Daniels. But eventually they've set it on one, and now George Pickens gets someone who can actually get him the ball. Yeah, correct. They've formed quite a deadly connection there, so I think that's going to lead this team well. I know you've talked a lot about how Georgia are probably overrated and haven't really shown anything. This was probably their most impressive performance on the season so far against a Missouri team that's been looking good the last few weeks. Uh, Mm. Connor Bazelak really struggled in this one. This was his toughest game on the year, Uh, and it's a very good defense. We know that, so... They're still able to turn things around, though. I mean, they've got Mississippi State on deck. If they can win that, then they're still going to be looking at a good bowl game and would use that as a platform to build on into next year. Tennessee, 42. Vanderbilt, 17. Auburn, 24. Beat Mississippi State in a snooze fest. Jojo Nix, Jeezy battled hard again, didn't he, Will? Yeah, he loved it's not his, a good he day. He loved looking at running the numbers on this one. Not a good day for him. Uh, I was shocked to see, like, they normally when you win games, your quarterback has, like, a decent uh, outing. Well, yeah, like, it, it's because I didn't watch this one at all. And to see the numbers that he put up, sorry, I'm just trying to bring them up in front of me now. It's like. I was really disappointed. It was below 500 passing the ball. Here we go. And this is a Mississippi State defense that has really kind of given up points to everyone that's played. So it's not an elite (laughs) SEC unit that we're talking about. He's gone 15 of 32 for 125 yards. That's an average of 3.9 per pass. Like, that's... If you're not averaging four yards a run, you're disappointed. If you're not doing it passing the ball, fuck me. I mean, at least he didn't turn it over. There's that. Yeah, but that, that's just what he does. And, he... and Correct. And that's very much it. It's just that this oh. game manager, and that's not what you want. That's, that's not what he originally kind of looked like he was going to break onto the scene to be, but it's very much what he's worked no, into. But he was at the Auburn National Championship game when they won. <laughs> there is that. He was a blonde-haired kid in the stand. 
there is Fuck that. Off, and James Sam Ellinger's been a Texas on. fan for a long time. <laughs> Doesn't make you good at throwing the football forwards. Okay. Uh, in the ACC, Pitt beat Georgia Tech 34-20. to 20. A strange interaction between Jeff Collins and Pat Narduzzi at the end of the game there. Um, nothing was really taken out of taken out of it there in the post game presses. Both coaches sort of acknowledged it, but said there was no hard feelings. It was a bit of a weird one. I don't really know what that was all about. It was, yeah, it was odd. He just kind of went to shake hands and gave him a quick shake, and then pulled it away immediately. While Nadersi tried to kind of hold onto it and was like, "Show me a bit of respect here." So, yeah, it was odd. But coaches get weird about that shit though, as well, don't they? They make some it more so than others, definitely. Louisville crushed Wake 45-21. to 21. Did we pick this? No. Uh, no, I had money on Wake, so mm. not me. <laughs> <laughs> Virginia Tech beat Virginia. We had that one, though, right? Uh, also had money on Virginia. Oh, <laughs> so, woof. This is giving us a bit of an insight into where we're heading next, which is great. Um, okay, yeah, Khalil Herbert ran as he does and did the damage on the ground for the Hokies as they win 33-15. to 15. Mostly done the second quarter where Virginia Tech put up 24 points. Outside of that, they didn't manage it. Uh, Florida State beat a hapless Duke team at 56-35. In the Big 12, Oklahoma State destroyed Baylor 42-3. That's how you're supposed to do it, Will. That's how football's played. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, all you need is to infect the opposing program with a virus that is destroying world economies and make sure that they can barely... It's also destroying families and lives as well, not just economies, but that just shows yeah. where your head is at. That's exactly right. You know where my preferences lie. You piece of shit. Uh, <laughs> you've nailed me there. You've, got, you've nailed it on the head. I've got no response back because it's 100 <laughs> Um, yeah, look, Baylor uh, were really struggling. They've had a whole heap of c coaches, players, like the amount of times that they referred to it in the game where they're kind of like showing the coaches box and there's just no one in there because there's no one <laughs> available who's not out. It's a bit sad. And Oklahoma State, this is more, as an Oklahoma State fan, what you expect to see in terms of offense. Like third play of the game, big long strike, touchdown, next drive, two plays, touchdown, and just rolling from there. Obviously, some missing pieces for Oklahoma State. So Chuba Hubbard declared before this one to say, I'm, I'm done. Uh, Tylan Wallace sat again with what appears to be an MCL strain, which will be interesting in his lead up to the draft. So they were relying on uh, other bits and pieces. And it was a freshman um, running back who actually came in and, and made all the damage in this one. So Des Jackson got the start and was big early. But then after that, they uh, went and leaned on uh, Rich Richardson, I want to say. This is how well I'm across it. God, you don't even know players on your own team, dude. How deep down the depth chart did they go? So, well, exactly right. So they would start Chuba Hubbard, then they'd have LD Brown, then it's Desmond Jackson. And then we've got Dominic Richardson, who's a true freshman uh, from Oklahoma City. And he's come in, had 23 carries for 169 yards and three touchdowns. It's not a bad way to break out. <laughs> And, and a promising sign for Oklahoma State team that is now at that point in the year where they're looking for uh, promising things for the future. Uh, will they... They'll go bowl game, though, I assume? Yes, I would fully expect so. Something. They'll end up with a respectable, what is it, 7-3 and three record on the year. Uh, you know, a, a couple and of bad beats. To a ranked Texas, a ranked Oklahoma. And what was your other loss? Uh, TCU. Ooh. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Speaking of TCU, they won out of conference. Okay, let's get through this. Your rewind for the week, William. I've actually got a couple the this week. The thing you must see. What should we see? So I've got a couple. The first one okay. uh, was the Maction. And I'm sure a lot of people would have seen this. Uh, this was the ending to the Western Michigan Ball State game, which was just bananas. And both <laughs> you and I love this shit. Like, we were up early this morning, and I, and I text you. I'm like, have you seen it? And then, you know, you're like, nah, not yet. I'm like, oh, 
you know, they they came on the field early and you're just immediately like, I fucking love this. I'm, I know I'm <laughs> going to enjoy this. So last play, uh, they, they need a touchdown to win and they're in like lateral mode. So the ball's been yeah. snapped. And, and this was one of like the slowest developing ones I've ever seen. Like normally there's a bit more pace to it. This one was really like trying to bait players over to them and then they'd throw it to the other side of the field and they'd, they'd gone back like 40 yards before they actually started to make and then they dropped the ball fumbled and then one of the western michigan oh no sorry ball state players jumps on it but then it squirts out so it looked like he had it but it squirted out but at this point the ball state sideline has cleared the the benches and are running on the field to celebrate uh but then the ball's kind of scooped up by a western michigan player and then he gets going and then there's players without helmets who are like (laughs) I should probably tackle this guy. (laughs) Someone fucking tackle? No, I don't know. And then he he ends up just scooting down the sideline and getting in for a touchdown. So then all of a sudden you're like, oh, Western Michigan are going to win. But then there's flags everywhere because there's like a thousand people on the field. (laughs) But one of the, uh, one of the passes in the lateral was, was very much a forward pass. Like I remember when I was watching, I'm like, well, that's fucking forward. I think there were two of them that were forward, (laughs) but uh, so it gets called back and Ball State end up winning and, and going through to the MAC championship game. But it's, Look it up if you haven't seen it. It's it's good fun. It's just so like it's so weird the end bit when there's still players running around and it's like he goes to run past the defender and he's not sure if that defender was one of the eleven that started on the field and he's like I don't I don't and then there's guys like trying to get past him who are like I shouldn't be here. I'm trying Correct. to just carry at, my at helmet what point? Out. At oh, yeah. what and then point? the guys even that tackled on the last lateral tackle they were just like holding him like it was like it wasn't even really a tackle it was just like. We're just kind of holding him up while there's coaches and players from both sides of the field. At, oh, it was nuts. at what point do you just sit a defender on the sideline down as far deep down in the, in the back as you can, right? And then say you give up a big play. So say someone gets over the back. And like any time you're in your territory, one gets over the back and he's out. Your guy just comes on the field, makes the tackle, like, what are you doing? 12 men on the field, 15-yard penalty. You're like, all right, we'll wear that, but we didn't give up the touchdown. Decli- I'll just decline it. I'll just decline it. Yeah, but if you, um, he hasn't got so, any ends No, up. that wasn't clever at all. Because if he makes the tackle... Yeah, but they just decline it and take the gain. They take the gain. Yeah, oh, do you mean stopped- on the last play? No, no, no. I'm not meaning... I'm just well, talking in general. You- because then they haven't uh, scored yeah, a touchdown. Yeah, but they, they decline... Yeah, 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 but I mean, still, yeah. you, you get Can a they stand. Avoid, okay, this is this is <laughs> this is getting ridiculous. All right, um, a couple of things on that. Obviously, there's shades of the the Stanford marching band on the field as as they lose, and then you know some dude playing a drum just gets creamed. <laughs> but uh, the other thing that I want to bring up is this whole lateral thing. Why do defenses chase the ball if you know the laterals are coming? Just all get in, organize yourself into one straight line across the field and then just slowly march down the field towards the offense and play it like a rugby defense. And then there's no way they're getting through. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think I think there's ways around it. It becomes like rugby, doesn't it? And sometimes yeah. you can get through that. So, But I think both sides, like you talk defensively, I think offensively, the lateral is the most underused facet of the game. There's there's a whole area of advancement that I think can occur with the lateral. Mm, uh, I, I love, mean, we, I've seen it enough this year against Miami because teams just <laughs> score on us all the time with it. So. Exactly right. It should be a part of, it should be much more of the uh, playbook. There, sh- there should be a lot more, not just used for last ditch attempts. I want to see hook and ladders. I want to see some more stuff schemed up where they're throwing forwards and then lateraling behind others. I love the old throwback games whenever you get like games where they're not wearing helmets and shit. Those dudes were lateraling all the time. It's brilliant. (laughs) All right. uh, My rewind, there was so many things from the LSU game, but I think uh, Marco Wilson, shoe throw, go and watch that. The pick on the sideline was a bit crazy. And if you do want to watch Miami just getting absolutely lit up, the two running backs, not that... Some of their runs were pretty good. Like Javante, they look like dudes that are playing on Sunday. They're big bodies. Javante Williams is hard to tackle. So is Michael Carter actually as well. But he is a big bruising guy. And a lot of their runs were untouched. But the ones that weren't, they were breaking tackles and just continually falling forwards, dishing out shots. So those two guys were really impressive. So go and check them. 
Um, all right, let's hit some Aussies uh, in action. Go, yeah, Will. I was, was going to mention that, actually. That Javonta Williams one, there's one in particular where he just clowns a Miami DB. Like, it is, it's Amari assault. Amari Carter, yeah. It was Amari. woof. Who, he's the dude who, like, keeps trying to get ejected every game for going helmet to helmet. He's, like, known as a, a, a big hitter, and he just got his Best. ass handed to him. Yeah, so. But he was one of 80 Miami Hurricanes <laughs> who got beaten on the day. So, um. Yeah, take us through your Aussies in action. Yep, absolutely. So uh, a few boys had really good weekends. This one, Matty Habel at FAU. Uh, six punts, 43.2. Another fantastic outing there. He's had a really good year. Uh, your boy, Lou Headley, very much kept himself in the race for the Ray Guy Award. So he had six punts, an average of 48.5. I know some of the other contenders have also had good weekends. But that's a, that's a good effort. Yeah, I think you were turning the ball over at other points when you weren't No, I don't... No, we just suck. <laughs> uh, Adam Corsack was busy. A lot of kicks. Nine kicks at an average of 44.7, which is fantastic when you're getting that much work in. And Ben Griffiths at USC. Like, yeah. real difference maker to, to have him come in and, and do as well as he can. So it was only the three kicks. We averaged... 51 yards in this one so he is a big reason behind them being undefeated with his ability to help out flipping the field and pinning uh other teams so that their defense can do work okay let's get to what we got here bold prediction time now i'm going to assume we were both in this space because I had a week for the animals um, I needed Colorado to beat Utah Northwestern to win Louisville to win Vandy to win Baylor to win and Oregon State to win uh, I got so of those one, two, three, four, five, six games I got maybe two Louisville and Northwestern yay me so I completely bombed yeah good job um, look I did not hit either so I had the the t- 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 today uh, triumph, I think it was, where all the teams starting with T were going to win. So it was kind of a bit of a cop-out because it was essentially just predicting Troy to upset Coastal Carolina because uh, that was really the only one where there was uh, a big kind of upset. Everything else, the T's were favourites. So they, they just fell short on that end. Toledo ended up t- getting the chocolates and, and winning for me there. Tennessee beat Vanderbilt. Uh, TCU got over Louisiana Tech and Texas did not play. So I was I was close. Uh, it was a letdown game and it almost eventuated, but uh, not able to score that one. Okay. And lastly, let's get to our on the punt. Now, based on what I do know, I think... That's where we're at for week 15. Yep. Yep, 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 yep. <sighs> That is true. So let's start with the positives. Thank you, sir. Let's start with the positives. Uh, the coronavirus, uh, starting with the positives, enabled it so that the Washington State cow game did not go ahead. So I got my money back. The money that I bet on that game, great. I got back. That's great. Uh, I also had Iowa beating Wisconsin as underdogs there. Well done. Good, good. good. Happy with that. Yeah. Uh, I then had Wake to beat Louisville. Uh, There's like even money there, slightly underdogs there. And they just got trounced. So I was surprised at that one. Yep. Uh, Louisville have not been very good. So that's disappointing. And then I had Virginia over Virginia Tech. I know you were very much like, Tech will win that. I'm like, no, Virginia have been red hot. They've won their last four. Virginia Tech have lost their last four. Like This, this doesn't make sense. Uh, but yeah, whatever. So yeah, I, mean, I feel like... Sorry. No, I was just going to say, on the back of all of this, I lost another 4.1 units uh, on the weekend. So our season total is now down to negative 28.6 units, which is just sensationally mediocre. Yeah, I mean, this episode really has been sensationally mediocre. We're a bit flat. Um, just to add a little bit of juice, I, I, I went all Will Murden on it last night and uh, slept in the hallway which was a funny experience. Haven't done that for a while. I woke up at one point. I was like, man, my feet are really sore. Like, I feel like I'm sleeping on something hard. And I kind of was because my feet were in the tiles of the bathroom. So my head was cozy in the carpet. But yeah, that was, that's, that happened. 
I like to hear it, mate. Sometimes these things get away from you and uh, it's a bit of a reality check that morning where you're kind of pulling yourself up off the floor and like, how, how did I get here? What is going on? Why do I feel so fucking awful? But, you know, sometimes you just need to unwind. You're, you're a teacher. You've had a really busy year. I'm glad you've let your hair down, got after it. So don't feel too bad. Don't, don't let... Uh... Well, the only other time that I've completely lost it was with you at Fringe. Ooh, when I yeah. was just... <laughs> that was a good one. Uh, you were just leading me around like a special kid. All right. <clears throat> I assume. I don't know. I don't remember any of it, but anyway, <laughs> we had fun. All right. Uh, that is bloody curtains on week 15. It feels like a grind. This season is kind of over. I'm fucking glad this week's over, if I'm honest. Um, it was a bitch shit. And now we can move on to championship weekend. We'll bring some better energy. Uh, we'll, we'll be better. We'll be better. So stay with us. If you have listened to this to this point, thank you so much. Please do hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at CFB Down Under. Make sure you do say hi. Um, get involved. I do have some time off, so I should be engaging a little more, get a bit more content up and move around on those things as well. Please do subscribe to the show. Uh, hit us up on uh, any of our... Uh, so podcatcher of choice make sure you do subscribe leave those five star reviews they all do help us so please make sure you do that because we would love to come back for season 2021 but you know it's one of those things life does get in the way it is a lot of time a lot of commitment so um please do continue to engage with us uh, we like to hear from all the aussies out there do you have anything else no, that's we'll, it, mate. You can you can go I'd rest. Sign us out of here and hopefully do a little bit more smoothly than just that. Go rest your weary head, uh, and I will I do can. the same. And uh, yeah. <laughs> enjoy your holidays. Thank you. I will definitely do that. All right. So for that guy over there, thank you for joining us. My name's Aaron. That is Will. And again, let's hope Alabama lose so we can get rid of this goddamn tusk out. True.